them around the stage, and this seems a logical extension not only of the basic premise of drumming, which is to hit things, but an inevitable extension of Moon's drumming, which was to hit things exuberantly. In the band's very early days, the managers of clubs who complained to Townsend about his drummer. We like you guys, they would say, but get rid of that madman on the drums, he's too loud. To which Moon succinctly replied, I can't play quiet, I'm a rock drummer. The Who had extraordinary rhythmic vitality, and it died when Keith Moon died, on September the 7th, 1978. I had hardly ever heard any rock music when I first listened to albums like Quadrophenia and Who's Next. My notion of musical volume and power was inevitably circumscribed by my fairly sheltered, austerely Christian upbringing. I got off on classical or churchy things like the brassy last bars of William Walton's First Symphony, or the chromatic last movement of the Hammerklavier Sonata, or the way the choir bursts in at the start of Handel's anthem Zadok the Priest, or the thundering thirty-two-foot bass pipes of Durham Cathedral's organ, and the way the echo at the end of a piece took seven seconds to dissolve in that huge building. Those are not to be despised. But nothing had prepared me for the ferocious energy of the Who. The music enacted the mod rebellion of its lyrics. Hope I die before I get old. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Dressed right for a beach fight. There's a millionaire above you, and you're under his suspicion. Pete Townsend's hard, tense, suspended chords seemed to scour the air around them. Roger Daughtry's singing was a young man's fighting swagger, an incitement to some kind of crime. John Entwistle's incessantly mobile bass playing was like someone running away from the scene of the crime, and Keith Moon's drumming, in its inspired vandalism, was the crime itself. Most rock drummers, even very good and inventive ones, are timekeepers. There is a space for a fill or a roll at the end of a musical phrase, but the beat has primacy over the curlicues. In a regular 4-4 bar, The bass drum sounds the first beat, the snare the second, the bass drum again hits the third, often with two eighth notes at this point, and then the snare hits the bar's final beat. This results in the familiar boom-da, boom-boom-da sound of most rock drumming. A standard-issue drummer playing along, say, to the Beatles' carry that weight, would keep his 4-4 beat steady through the line, boy, you're going to carry that weight, carry that weight a long time until the natural break which comes at the end of the phrase, where, just after the word time, a wordless two-beat half-bar readies itself for the repeated chorus. In that half-bar there might be space for a quick roll, or a roll and a triplet, or something fancy with snare and hi-hat, really any variety of filler. The filler is the fun stuff, and it could be said without much exaggeration that nearly all the fun stuff in drumming takes place in those two empty beats, between the end of a phrase and the start of another. Ringo Starr, who interpreted his role fairly modestly, does nothing much in that two-beat space. Mostly he just provides eight, even, straightforward sixteenth notes. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. In a good cover version of the song, Phil Collins, an extremely sophisticated drummer who was never a modest performer with Genesis, does a tight roll that begins with feather-like delicacy on a tom-tom and ends more firmly on his snare before going back to the beat. But whatever their stylistic differences, the modest and the sophisticated drummer share an understanding that there is a proper space for keeping the beat, 
and a much smaller space for departing from it, like a time-out area in a classroom. The difference is just that the sophisticated drummer is much more often in time-out, and is always busily showing off to the rest of the class while he is there. Keith Moon ripped all this up. There is no time-out in his drumming, because there is no time-in. It is all fun stuff. The first principle of Moon's drumming was that drummers do not exist to keep the beat. He did keep the beat, of course, and very well, but he did it by every method except the traditional one. Drumming is repetition, as is rock music generally, and Moon clearly found repetition dull. So he played the drums like no one else. And not even like himself. I mean that no two bars of Moon's playing ever sound the same. He is in revolt against consistency. He is always vandalizing repetition. Everyone else in the band gets to improvise, so why should the drummer be?